Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Piki mai kake mai and welcome to Our Changing World. Ko Alison Balance tēnei. Tonight, we're off on an expedition to the Titi Islands. The 36 Titi Islands lie around the coast of Rakiora, Stewart Island, and they are amazing places. They're home to millions of Titi, or sooty shearwaters. And now that many of them are rat-free, they're also home to growing populations of rare land birds. Tonight, we're visiting Potohinu Island, and our host there is Tane Davis. Tane Davis is chair of the Rakiora Titi Islands administering body. The body was set up to manage 18 former Crown Titi Islands scattered around the coast of Rakiora, Stewart Island. The islands are named for the Titi, the mutton birds or sooty shearwaters, and the Rakiora Māori who've been coming here for hundreds of years are known as mutton birders, or birders for short. The islands were returned to Naitahu in 1997 as part of their Treaty of Waitangi Settlement. The Crown recognised the connection of... uh the former Crown Islands, and that uh, Rakiora Māori uh, had that connection to harvest titi on those islands. Inclusive of that, of course, was uh, some, I guess you could say, demands from the Crown in regards to the management of the former Crown titi islands, such as the islands to be treated as if they're a nature reserve, the harvest of uh, titi to continue on on a sustainable basis. I've been invited to Putohino Island with Tane and a team of bird experts from the Department of Conservation to carry out an ambitious work program. We create these work programs to enhance the islands, uh, to bring them back to their natural state. Some of the islands in the past have uh, had uh, invasions of rats and so forth, so uh, we've worked closely to uh, eradicate uh, rat on various islands, and this is actually one of them, Putohino. So after the eradication on this case of this island, uh, we're some 20 years down the track now. So what we're trying to achieve now is bring back those, those species that once lived freely without predation from rodents and so forth. It brings our people closer together again in regards to the environment of their islands. And to me, that's what it's all about. Peter McClelland is in charge of our trip. We have a week to catch and relocate three species of birds. We're down here to catch Tutakiwi or snipe, transfer them across to Mokanui Island. Then we're going to try and catch saddleback, tiki and robins, Stewart Island robin, and transfer those to Josh's Island, which is on the east coast of Rakiura, Stewart Island. It's a rare privilege for someone like me to visit the Titi Islands. Even the birding families may only visit their own island, and even that's for just a couple of months for harvesting titi chicks in autumn each year. When we arrived on Putahinu, three things struck me almost simultaneously. 
One, the smell. The distinctive musty smell of titi, or sooty shearwaters. They nest in their thousands all over the island, in burrows underground. And that's the second striking thing about the island, that as you walk, you can tell it's an island honeycombed by seabird burrows, because it's soft and spongy and gives way a little like a sprung dance floor as you walk. And then there's the sound of the birds. All natives, as far as I can tell at the moment. Bellbirds mostly, but also lots of robins, tiaki or saddleback, tutukiwi or snipe, and some fern birds as well. And it's indisputably a southern seabird island. It's not a forested island, it's a seabird island. But it's the land birds we're after. And as soon as we arrive on the island by helicopter, Peter starts organising us to catch snipe. Their Māori name, Tutukiwi, gives you an idea of what these charming birds look like. Just imagine a mini kiwi. The plan today is to go out and catch snipe. Yeah, we'll go out as a team, all of us together, and basically try and work through patches of the island and see what we find. As soon as somebody sees a snipe, we all surround it and try to catch it. So the key tool in all of this is big, what look like butterfly nets. Yeah, they're, they're a fish landing net. It works really well if everybody works as a team. So, you so these are birds on the ground? They are birds on the ground, and they can fly a little bit, but only if they're flushed um, and if they're really keen to get away. But normally they just they stalk away, and then you set everybody up around it, um, and you slowly enclose it, work in on it. Then it's a committed tackle, pretty much. Excellent. So this sounds to me a little bit like an English game hunt with wickets are going to be spread out through the bush, just walking forward in a line, keeping an eye on what's in front of us? Yeah, some places it's not easy to keep your line, there's a lot of vegetation, but that's the idea. The more ground you're looking at, the more likely you are to find them. Tane leads the way. After a lifetime of coming here, he knows every tree and track in his family's part of the island. So Mum's area is uh, at the top of that gully. So this island is... Divided up between different families? Yeah, we have um, boundaries on this island for various whanau, and we call those areas manu. Manu meaning, well, the breeding areas where the titi are. And it, it can be how it's judged in regards to the boundaries is the gully we just talked about, or a creek, or certain landmarks like a big old rata tree or something like that. Yeah. And that's all passed down because then... Those next generations coming on, they know where those boundaries are, and that's how, that's how it continues on. Yeah. yeah. I heard one just over here before. Oh, did you? What does their call sound like? Sort of goes like. Very distinctive. You know when you've got a snipe nearby. Yeah. Off on our snipe search. Snipe snoop. We spread out across the forest and begin to walk in a line which is a darn sight easier to say than it is to do. Pretty dense between us, Pete. That could be interesting. Yeah, that's good. If you stand right in the middle of that... It's not long before someone catches a glimpse of a snipe. That's good, that was textbook. I heard it all, I didn't see it. <laughs> I was a bit caught up in some ferns. <laughs> First bird for the trip, it's always a good start. And yeah, we're into it, it's great. 
snipe used to be one of the features of the Titi Islands, but these birds are quite recent arrivals. So we used to have a snipe here on Stewart Island, Rakiura, and these Titi Islands, um, but unfortunately it went extinct. The last snipe was seen on Taukihepa, or Big South Cape, in the 1960s. But there are snipe here now, so tell me about these snipe. So these snipe were put here in 2005, and they come from the Snares Island. So uh, each of our sub-Antarctic groups actually has a snipe of its own, and the same as the Chatham Islands, but these ones are from the Snares Islands, uh, just further south of Stewart Island, Rakiura. Am I right in thinking this was the first ever translocation in New Zealand to replace an extinct species with another species? Yes, it is very amazing and it was, it was neat to actually be part of it because, um, yeah, getting time to spend down on the snares and then shifting them and seeing how special and valued they were when they came back here because all the birders were here and they got to release the birds. The chopper landed just up at the pad there and uh, there was 30 birds that come from the snares and we just we actually just let them go there, that area, all 30 birds. And it was quite amazing how quickly they travelled the rest of the island. It was quite, quite unbelievable, really. You know, that's such a, for the species itself is quite small. And then to find out the following year later, they're way over the other end of the island, which is quite a long way away. Um, yeah, it's, it's amazing how they travel. Yeah. They've done really, really well, and it's neat seeing so many snipe about. After a few hours of snipe hunting, some of us return to Tane's whare with a handful of cloth bags, each containing a precious snipe. We've had a successful afternoon and got eight birds, including a couple of uh, adult large chick pairs. OK, so you turned two boxes... So we've got and two boxes, two, uh, two large boxes. Um, we've put dirt in them and vegetation, plenty of shelter. Now we'll put a heap of food in there. Chucking a few mealworms in. Yeah, so they just come from an insect supplier, huh? Yeah. This year we've got plenty of nice big mealworms, so that makes our life a lot easier. We're just a lot more confident if you've got a lot of food for them. So just put a, oh, probably four or five hundred mealworms. I've just fed those ones. Make it easy for the chick to find, that's the thing. Now we'll band them and, and uh, put them in and see how we go. So Tana, you get to hold the bird, this is the adult one? Yeah, it's, um, it's quite strong. Putting a, an individually numbered band, which um, the main reason for putting the band on is when we release them on Mokanui, as soon as they see unbanded birds, they know that they've bred. Like, so it would have been the same here when people yeah. turn out just checking the legs. Yeah. In actual fact, there was last year would have been the first chicks that were seen on Kundi when we'd done the transfer to there. And um, Russell called me up with great excitement on the uh, the VHF. We've seen our first chick. Yeah, no, so, yeah. That, so that's yeah, as good a sign of success as you get. Yeah. That's the first big sign. Yeah, no, so, yeah. So we'll put them into the... The holding box, which has got cover and food. After settling the birds in their boxes and grabbing some dinner, we're out again after dark, looking for snipe by torchlight. The next morning, it's more of the same, and the number of boxes filled with birds is adding up. So you've got a stack of boxes in there, Roz. Yeah, it's looking impressive, isn't it? Yeah, so you're keeping them dark, quiet, and with a good supply of food. Absolutely. The more food, the better, basically. 
They sound pretty busy at the moment. You can hear them inside the boxes. It's cool, eh? It's neat. Probing along. And when you see them out in the bush, they're constantly burying their beaks into the dirt, and so that's what they're doing in there. So you've been listening to the weather forecast, is that so you can see whether the boat can actually get in? The one we're going to use today will get in without any problem, but the one for the Robins and Tiki saddlebacks uh, that's due to arrive down on Saturday is a bit iffy, I would say, from that forecast. Yeah. So what's your backup plan, helicopter? Yeah, helicopter will be And there's a machine in the area on Saturday. So, so it all fits in nicely? Yeah. So who's going to come and pick the birds up? A gentleman by the name of... Um, Corey uh, Nelson, who uh, is skippering the uh, Conchita, the fishing, fishing vessel Conchita, and the birds, of course, are going to his island, Mokanui, or at times is known as Big Mogi. And uh, Corey's father's there and waiting for the birds to arrive. So, yeah, very whanau affair, I guess you could say. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mokanui had um, both rats and uh, introduced weka on it, which have been removed, and... This is just part of you know, allowing the island to re- recover to what it should be like. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And it's the second time you've shared your snipe? Second time this tonga has been uh, shared, yeah. Uh, firstly to Kandy and uh, now to Mukunui, yeah. Putahina, the, the island that we're on now, it was eradicated in 1997, yeah. had the rats eradicated. So it was the first one that led the charge, so to speak. Mm. The, the rats were eradicated, the snipe were put on here, but also robins... And saddlebacks have been put on previously. And to add to that too, of course, is the, the fern bird, mm-hmm. the arrival of the fern bird from Fenway Hope. Are all the islands in the TT group now rat-free, or is that still a process that's going on? Uh, well, those that are more isolated, of course, AP, uh, mm. are you know, rat-free. But unfortunately, some areas uh, such as uh, Ernest Island and um, Josh's Island, um, Rat Island just over here, so close proximity to Rakiura, so they get those reinvasions going on all the time. It'd be nice to see Rakiura in the future uh, be eradicated as well, you know. That would solve a lot of problems to us, that's for sure, and to everybody else. You know, the whanau on here have seen, you know, they're getting the benefits from having put up with the eradication, mm. whereas, you know, other, other people sort of see the negative side without appreciating just how good it is afterwards. Yeah. It's after it's done, then you see the rewards appear. You know? And a lot of things have appeared that you never, we never thought would actually would happen. There's the, the lizards here have reappeared, you know, and they must have been just hanging on while the rat was here. You know? And we never would really ever see them through the day, but now the rat's gone. You know, the, you, know you hear them scurrying away, particularly on the Pākehi, on, on the warmer days. So there's a lot of things appear. The wet has increased in population. Uh, yeah, all those little things that you really probably didn't think about before the eradication and now it's happened, they're starting to appear. Are the plants benefiting? Are you seeing more little seedlings around? Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, there's just carpets of, of little plants, you know, that have germinated and coming through. And each year we come back, you know, the tracks seem to be closing in, <laughs> you know. But, yeah, the vegetation has, has certainly come away, that's for sure. Early afternoon and it's so calm that the fishing boat Conchita can nose right up to the rocky shore platform. The boxes of sniper quickly passed across and when they're all safely on board, Tane says a karakia to send them on their way. 
So is Olaf looking forward to the birds, Tane? Oh, yes. Uh, Corey's dad's over there waiting. It's, it's always nice to see them heading off like that, eh? Since we started catching, it's less than 24 hours, and we've got 33 birds heading across. That's, that's the best we've done. That's, that, yeah, that's a lot, lot of birds. It's a lot of birds, and now we can start working on the other species. in the morning it's still dark and Tane and I have come down to a TT takeoff point and it's a long bare area between the bushes and it's filling with sooty waters rushing across the ground rushing down the hill This has to be one of the world's great wildlife spectacles Tane Oh it certainly is isn't it Yeah just thousands and thousands of birds and they're still pouring out in this constant stream. We call these the kaiaka. This is the parent bird grouping together, uh, departing the island in what we call one of the getaways. And this is a place that will be uh, similar to other areas of the island. This will be happening all around the island this morning and the other islands as well. So it's like watching a busy railway station with commuters converging on it from all over the place. Yeah. And then they're all scurrying down the main road, down this cleared area. Yeah. And then they're lifting off and disappearing. That's right, yeah. And I I think, too, they they congregate once they get to sea. And that's when you see Titi all together uh, from the mainland when they're feeding. They're rafting together and then they go on flight. To, to feed themselves and, of course, uh, bring back the feed for the chick that it is. It's like a railway station. And they know exactly what they're doing. And it's like, um, I guess you could say, humans going to work first thing in the morning. <laughs> and you can smell them, can't you? You know, the density of them and there's the, the smell coming off them. The bird smell, yeah. It's one of the distinctive features of a seabird island, isn't it? That musty seabird smell. Yeah, that, that's right. And, you know, you would have smelled it when you first arrived. You didn't I know did. It's the chicks that are in the burrows. As soon as you got out of the helicopter, you, you sense that smell straight away. And to us people, as muckingbirders, that's one of the first signs that we start to see as soon as we arrive on the island. It's the smelling of, of the bird itself. I can hear a high-pitched sound beside me, which I think must be a chick in a burrow. Yeah, that's a chick in the burrow, and it's making that titi, 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 titi. So that's, um, theory is from uh, the bird being called titi is the chick in the hole. You can hear it making that noise, that loud pitch noise, titi, titi, titi. It just really endorses that whakateoki, you know, katangi te titi, the call of the titi. It really does endorse it, doesn't it? And when you see the numbers of these birds, you can understand why they're such a keystone species, why they shape these islands. That, that's right, yeah. The, the island is part of the titi and the titi is part of the island. 
And of course, these birds don't just define these islands either, Tane. They define you and your people, don't they? Yeah, there's certainly a, a real strong um, history of tribal connection through Rakiura Māori, Naitau, or Māmoi, Kati Māmoi, Iwi. So, yeah, the bird itself, the people, and the islands have all got a strong connection in the kaitiakitanga of the, of the people to the islands and to the bird as well. Mokinui is so close that we can see it out the window of Tane's whare, but unlike Putahinu, it is not one of the Rakiora Titi Islands. It's one of 18 privately owned islands known collectively as the beneficial Titi Islands. The next batch of birds we have to catch are tiaki or saddleback and totowai or robins. They're destined for Rukuwahakura or Joss's Island, which is another Rakiora Titi Island. Stage two, what are we doing now? Stage two is saddlebacks, tiki and we know we can hold them for longer, so even if the weather deteriorates, we're quite comfortable. If we catch them now and we can't release them for a few days, we're more than happy. So now the team starts catching them using mist nets. So a different technique. And so explain that technique to me. So mist nets, it's a very like a fishing, basically fishing in the air, but a very fine net the birds can't see, and you try and call the saddlebacks into the area, and they fly into the nets and... You just take them out. I'm just looking out the, the window at the moment and there's, there's a tiki. So that'll be one of the ones we'll try and catch. Describe a tiki to me. Um, about a blackbird size, but more upright. Uh, very sturdy legs They're very, and a very strong beak. They pry into the bark. And they have this, while they're black underneath, they have a, a burnt brown saddle, hence the name saddleback. The interesting thing with South Island saddlebacks is that they have a jackbird which is olive green, which the North Island one doesn't. So they're quite special in that way. So the jackbird's what, like the teenager? Yeah, up to a year old. You know, the saddleback's got a story of its own with Big South Cape, Tauke Hepa, invaded with rats. The saddlebacks were taken across to another of the muttonbird islands, Big Island, and they've been moved from there. And then um, we actually managed to, we eradicated the rats from Tauke Hepa and have put the tiki back there again. So, yeah, neat story there as well. Joe Hiscock has been joined for the misnetting by another Putohino birder, John Pennicott. So we've come walking along the track with John until we've heard, um, we've heard some calling uh, and now we've just set up a misnet um, along one of the tracks. With the sound system, it will draw the birds in um, and they'll try and hop from one side of the track to the other and we'll play some calls um, and see what's around. Some birds have come in, but they're up pretty high. Yeah. I can imagine getting pretty bored of these calls pretty fast. You start hearing them in their sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Plenty of tiaki on the island, John? Yes, there is. They come and go through the through the island. Some places there's plenty of them. Other places there mightn't be many, and then it could be vice versa. Where you think there's none, there's plenty. They come, come through quite often, yeah. You've had them out here on the island for quite a while now. Well, yes, we have, yeah. And they've all done pretty well. So there are other saddlebacks responding at the moment. Once the island was ratificated, they all started coming back, all the different birds, and the transfers have helped quite a bit to get them back into the islands, yeah. 
Where did I touch? There's the saddlebag on the ground. That's the saddlebag there. What was this place like with rats on it, John? It was heaps of years. They were everywhere. You go torching all that at night and running around the ground, running up the trees, yeah, and everything. Bit of a problem in the houses? Yeah. Yeah, the houses had heaps of yeah. You had to get them in the daytime, even running around. More so, yeah, at night you go torching and they're all over the place. Did it take much to persuade you and all the other islanders to get rid of the rats? No, I think we we started um, before a lot of the other islands. And we, I think we were about ten years ahead of the other islands, spreading rat poison until the main ratification came. And then the next time you came back to the island? No, rat-free just about. But we all put out a little bit of poison on that just to safeguard the or back up yeah. And what about introducing these other birds to the island? Have you been in favour of that? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'd like to see the sanctuary. <laughs> have, have all the different birds if you could. Yeah. Over the next three and a half days, we catch 49 robins and 36 tiaki to translocate. And that number of birds takes quite a lot of looking after. So, Tane, your first tiaki in your hand? Yes, it is, eh? And he's got his claw on my finger. <laughs> he says yeah. through clenched teeth. Yeah. Amazingly strong. I wouldn't have, wouldn't have thought it. Yeah. What have you put in its box for it to eat, Ros? So it's got orange, it's got juicy plum, it's got half an apple, and some mealworms as well as homemade sultana cakes. Who knew that Saddleback liked sultana cake? They love them. A howling gale means we can't use a fishing boat to move these birds, so instead they're whisked to the far eastern side of Stewart Island by helicopter, accompanied by a contingent of Potahinu birders. When we land on Rukuwahakura, Tane's cousin Charles Davis and his family are there to meet us. Daughter Lania and her husband Lawrence have been the driving force to get rid of rats, and they're here with their two young boys. As long as we keep the rats off here... We should have no problems. Well, that's well, what I'm hoping for. You've got rid of the rats for. so far, haven't you? Yeah, we've been lucky. We're, you just don't know if it's going to happen, but these two here <coughs> are our number one team. They'd always come down and do it. I'm getting a little bit too old for it, but I'm going to try and come down with them when they come down now, from now on. Beautiful, look at that. Beautiful. Straight into the bush, eh? <laughs> That's just a beautiful sight, eh? Just glorious. I'm going to do another one. I could do this all day. <laughs> no trouble at all, I can tell you that. Happy ass to get out, eh? That was so cool. That was great. 
I just hope they breathe like hell now. <laughs> so when was the last time you saw, you saw Tiaki? It'd be 40 years ago. It'd be at least 40 years ago. I was just 22 or 23, I think, when I left Big South Cape, so it's been a long time, and I haven't seen one since. So it's a magical day for me, eh? It's in here. It's beautiful. Actually makes me quite emotional. No, you're not alone there. Yeah. <laughs> quite emotional. We're really lucky and really privileged to be able to have these birds on the island. Yeah, they're as now and we're going to look after them. There yeah. There's the turkey now. Yeah, you can hear it. Yeah. So that's the new sound here, the first, the first new sound. So he's happy. It's very, very cool, isn't it, Nako? And we're yeah. lucky. And then when we get too old, it'll be your and Winniata's job and your cousins to look after the island and the birds. Yeah. What did you think of those birds as they flew out? Cool. Awesome. And they look, they like the colours of them. They're a beautiful colour, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was great. I thought it was... I'm so proud to be part of this. It's really exciting for me. Yeah. And you get Tiki and Robins. Yeah. Double bonus. If we keep the rats off, then they should thrive, and we have lots of them. A big thank you to the mutton birders whose story this is. Tane Davis, chair of the Rakiora Titi Islands Management Committee, whose family mutton birds on Potohinu Island. John Pennicott, also from Potohinu. And Charles Davis, his daughter Lania and her husband Lawrence, and their two sons Winniata and Nako, who bird on Rukawahakura. Thank you all for your hospitality. We also heard from bird expert Peter McClelland and Department of Conservation Rangers Joe Hiscock and Ros Cole. If you'd like to see the island, the team and the birds, there are photos and a short video on our webpage, rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld. And you can stay in touch with us on Facebook and Twitter. We're RNZ Science. Thanks for your company. I'm back next week at the same time, but for now, it's good night from me, Alison Balance, Paul Marier, 